You know, contrary to some people out there, I should say a lot of people, law enforcement officers are constantly training in tactics, de-escalation, use of force, you name it. We are training all the time. One, because it's the right thing to do. We need to keep our skills sharp, but also it's mandated by individual states. So we have to train all the time. I love having officers on the show that are helping not only current law enforcement, but the up and coming next generation of law enforcement professionals. Jason Lewis is on the show. He's an active duty patrol sergeant with more than 23 years of experience and a variety of capacities. Jason is also the CEO of the briefing room. Now, in this episode, Jason and I talk a lot about some of the issues plaguing the law enforcement profession and some solutions to those problems. One of those is getting his training. Jason Lewis, CEO of The Briefing Room, next on the CJ Evolution Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I hope you are having a fantastic day. Thank you for tuning in to this podcast. top rank show because of you, the listener and supporter. Thank you so much for listening and what you're doing in law enforcement or criminal justice. It's a very tough environment, uh, as you know out there. My next guest, Jason Lewis, is going to attest to that. I don't have to tell you it is. But regardless, thank you for doing what you're doing. Remember this, you are honored cherished, and above all, you are loved. Keep up the great work. Here's a real-life story that affects 50% of all of us out there. It's called divorce. If you've gotten divorced and now you're struggling to pay your bills and your credit card debts are completely out of control, you need to call this special debt relief hotline right now. We help people with all kinds of money problems caused by different life challenges, a divorce, a job loss, even heavy medical bills. All these life events can sometimes financially stress you out and cause you to get out of control. We help people get their lives back by showing them ways to consolidate and reduce their debt, in some cases for a fraction of what they owe. If your credit card balances are more than $10,000, call us and learn how to reduce your credit card bills and monthly payments now. Here's our number. Paid for by Debt.com. Call now at 800-810-1569. 800-810-1569. That's 800-810-1569. What makes Shatterproof a very unique program is it's one of the only programs in the country that first responders can go to that is 100% all first responders. Everybody's in pretty bad shape when they get here. And then 30 days later, when you can see the transformation and the difference in people when they've had 30 days uh, of counseling, working with therapists, working with a psychiatrist, getting the neuro treatment, doing the breath therapy that's done here, the transformation that happens with the clients is really humbling to be able to work around and see because people are getting better here. And it just shows that there's a need for the first responder community to deal with behavioral health issues and take them seriously and offer treatment to people that may need help out there. They should be afforded the ability to come get help when they need help. It has gotten better, but we still have a long way to go. Big thanks to my good friend Jimmy, who is staff at Shatterproof down in Deerfield Beach, Florida. Folks, if you are suffering, please reach out to me today. I can get you the help you need. 
First responders, that means law enforcement, dispatchers, corrections, EMS, fire, we can help you. This is what we do, and we do it very well. 303-960-9819. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I'm very excited to have my next guest on the show. Now, I talk to a lot of first responders, a lot of law enforcement, but it's not not often that I get an active duty, somebody who's doing the job right now on the show. And Jason Lewis has done it for a very long time, over two decades. And he's here on the podcast right now. Thank you, sir. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Patrick. I'm super honored. I am a legitimate subscriber of your podcast. <laughs> I I truly do listen to it uh, and I love it. And to, I be appreciate here, it. to be here talking to you is, is an honor. I appreciate it, sir. You know, um, I, I love what I like. We were talking a little bit before, you know, I, I love, you know, putting good content out there. And uh, I started the show like I like I told you, Jason, uh, you know, several years ago. And I, I talk about, you know, law enforcement and, and criminal justice topics because that's the premise of the show. But I you know, in the last handful of years, I kind of wanted to pivot and talk about the more positive and kind of highlight some positive that law enforcement and Great. first responders are doing, because yeah. we, I don't have to tell you, man, you're, you're doing the job. And I'm very grateful for you, Jason. Thank you for, for doing a very difficult job. Uh, I appreciate you and all the other brave men and women who do it, but yeah, I appreciate it, brother. So for people do who don't know who Jason Lewis is, I, again, I just gave a little intro of you. Can, can you tell us a little bit more about your background, sir? Why did you get into law enforcement? What made you want to serve? Uh, I got into law enforcement when I was when I was younger, you know, 16 years old. I got into the Explorer program. Yep. Um, I didn't really have much going on in my life at that time. And uh, my mom had found a, a newspaper clipping, gave me a newspaper clipping uh, that talked about this program called the Explorers. And I joined it and it pretty much just took over my life. Uh, it uh, it gave me a sense of direction. I fell in love with law enforcement. And uh, shortly out of high school, I was in the uh, in the academy. Wow. You said newspaper clippings. I'm thinking for all the young people out there listening to that, that's That's we actually had newspapers back in the day. (laughs) Yeah, that's the 90s. That's the 90s right there. So I went to the academy in 1999. uh, And then right after that, I went into custody. I spent a couple of years in custody, went out to patrol. And, uh, you know, ever since then, I've done a variety of assignments, investigations, uh, uh, bailiff in the courts, uh, direct enforcement, I was the uh, in-service training supervisor for our regional training center. So yeah. most of my career, though, has been based in use of force. Use of force is is my passion. Uh, it's what I love, and that's where I focused everything for the yeah. most part. Yeah, we, we could talk a little bit about use of force. Hot topic these days. It has been yeah, for uh, for many years, and rightfully so. Uh, it, it's it's very important to, to law enforcement. But what was your favorite assignment or what is your favorite assignment, Jason, you've done over the years? Uh, I would say in-service training supervisor. Yeah. I really loved that job. Uh, had a lot of influence over uh, where our training went yeah. uh, for not only our agency, but all the other agencies that come to our training center. Uh, and I had a great team that worked for me and we had a lot of fun and we got a lot accomplished and I was sad to leave, but you know, we can only spend so much time in those assignments and then we have to go back to patrol. So that's where I'm at now. I'm a (laughs) patrol sergeant. And honestly, I love that too. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a fun, it's a fun job. Uh, 
Uh, you get to you get to go to whatever calls you want, but you don't have to do the paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> As know? a sergeant, yeah, you don't yeah. have to do that. You'd be like, yeah. hey, boot or a rookie, yeah. you know, do this. <laughs> so I don't know. I love it all. It's it it's it's all been fun. It's all been challenging. Um, and I'm still having just as much fun today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I the best time I ever had, brother, was you 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 know you said patrol. The best time I ever had was being just a patrol officer. Yeah. You know, right. you go in, you do your job, you you have your team, you have your crew, you know, your camaraderie, all that stuff, and then you go home. Yeah, absolutely. And then it's as you great know, if you have a great team. Yeah, oh, exactly. That's the key. <laughs> that's the key. <laughs> I don't have to tell you in the list. That's the key if you have a great team. But there yeah. always seems that one one or two cops that are always, oh, Jesus. <laughs> No, just stay away from my scene. Don't don't come. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm lucky now. The group I have now is is great. I mean, it's just it's just a great time. It's good. Yeah, it is. Well, I'm glad to hear that because, as you know, Jason, and there's a lot of um, negativity surrounding the profession these days. Sure. Uh, not from inside per se, but I'm talking about outside. You know, social media, uh, politicians. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're doing it right now, brother. I mean, what's yeah. the mood? uh within law enforcement in your little neck of the woods right now i don't know it's a tough job obviously it's an understatement but what's what's the mood like overall yeah the mood is uh it's obviously it's different than it was Mm -hmm. when i first came in when i first came in it was a a lot about uh, proactive proactive policing and you know pushing hard and and that kind of thing and um you know now uh they're definitely much more reserved uh about how much how proactive they are but Mm -hmm. I am fortunate. We work in a great community. Our community is supportive of law enforcement. Um, uh, they understand it's a tough job. And so we get, we get a lot of support. I mean, I still, you know, people wave at me. Um, you know, I go, I go, I, yesterday I walked into a gelato shop and they refused to accept my money, you know, and I had to force it on them in the tip jar, you know, <laughs> it's uh, so, so we're lucky. I, I, I live in a very supportive community. That's, that's the key or one of the keys, brother. I mean, if you have a supportive you know, community. I mean, that is, that is huge. I, I was blessed too, you know, and the agencies I worked with, you know, the overall, I mean, you're never going to please everybody, you know, that, right. but you know, if you have overall support uh, of the community, it, it makes it a little bit easier with all the other stuff going on uh, in the world. I mean, where do you, where do you see, I know this is a broad question. Where, where do you see law enforcement, you know, going into the future, brother? I mean, there's, you know, calls for abolish the police. I mean, you've heard it. I mean, where, where do you see, again, it's a broad question, but I just want your take. I mean, how do you see us evolving as we go forward? I think it depends on what kind of change we're willing to accept, sure. um, because uh, whether we like it or not, law enforcement has changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I live in California, so the amount of laws that have been put in place trying to regulate uh, law enforcement is extensive. Uh, and with the proliferation of, of video cameras uh, being out there and, uh, you know, uh, almost any scene you're being you're being uh, recorded, whether it's by surveillance footage, by somebody's cell phone camera, obviously by our own body cameras. So uh, if we don't adapt to that and change uh, a lot of what we're doing and prepare our officers for <clears throat> all of those changes, mm-hmm. you know, if we just ignore them, ignore the new laws, or we don't really train our people in them, or don't pay attention to case law, which we've done traditionally, not pay attention to case law then we're going to set ourselves up for failure and it's going to be a much harder road. So I think it depends on our willingness to accept the change. 
Yeah. And to be to be fair to our newer officers, I think they they are accepting the change. You know, it's it's a lot of us who have been around longer that are having a tougher time with it. Absolutely. I mean, the, you mentioned the proliferation of, of technology. I think it's good I mean, that we have it. I mean, I know some people don't like it, but their body cams are here to stay and all this other stuff. Uh, but I, I think sometimes you correct me if I'm wrong, Jason. Um, there, there might be a tendency of people not to act when they should act. I'm talking about officers act when they should act because they're so afraid of making a mistake and there's somebody with a camera. Yeah, right? absolutely. So you got to you have a hesitation, a hesitation uh, to to act, to use force when you actually do need to use force. And then the situation blows up into something bigger that it didn't have to be if you had just used the minimal amount of force early yeah. on. So that's certainly that's certainly one one of the issues. Uh, and a lot of that comes from they're unsure of themselves, not just True. the use of force, but uh, search and seizure or oddball, you know, arrest situations that come up and they're unsure of themselves. Right. Yeah. You think about what, what, when did you go through the academy? You went through in the oh. late 90s? <laughs> yeah, probably mid 90s. Yeah. 90s. Yeah. Early so 90s. Think, think of think of all the case law that has come out since you went through the academy. Mm -hmm. You couldn't even you couldn't even count the number of cases. Case cases come out every week. I yeah. mean, there are there are new cases in your area all the time. But how much training did you receive in those cases? Virtually nothing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Maybe if it was something that was came from the Supreme Court, you might have got a training bulletin on it or something like that. But we we, we just can't we can't do that anymore. Um, the, the, the more we ignore that you're, even though you didn't get training in all those case laws, you're responsible for every single one of them. Well, yeah, it's vicarious liability and, and, yeah. and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. And you're assumed to, to know, and right. you're, you're right. I mean, everything is, you know, changes, you know, with right. time and, you know, especially use of force. I remember, well, Granby Connor is still the, the, the standard, yes. right? Yes. Okay. And, and you think about, so their hesitancy comes from now you have somebody out with a video camera and if they get this wrong, uh, there's, you know, they could be in a viral situation that they didn't want to be in and they're, they were just unprepared for it. So uh, uh, a supervisor I used to have said when when cops don't know what to do, they do nothing. And that's yeah. very true. So yeah. when they're unsure of themselves, uh, they're going to do nothing. So that that's on us uh, as the generation that's moved into the leadership position now, if we're mm -hmm. not preparing them for today's challenges, not yesterday's challenges, we are setting them up for that hesitation. Yeah. And I think a lot of it too is you correct me if I'm wrong, Jason, for, you know, and you know, it's easy for me. I'm an outsider now. I mean, I retired, but we need to change as a culture, you know, within organizations, you know, I mean, some agencies are, are running good and they're, they're adapting with the times, but I think there's a lot of agencies out there that are hesitant to, to say, all right, we need to change. You know what I mean? And then they're just stuck in that uh, mentality of, well, this is the way we've always done it. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to be hesitant or we're going to push back on some of the change that's coming down the pike. Yeah. The thing is, the way I see it is uh, none of us, none of us got all, most of us got into this profession because we're idealists, you know, we, we want to help our community. Um, and we believe that proactive policing uh, is the way to do that. And a lot of what's happening now is, is pushing back against our proactive policing. And so for the older generation, who are the ones that are in charge? Absolutely. Uh, that's a hard thing to accept that, uh, that maybe that may, and maybe that's not the best approach, you know, do studies really show that proactive policing reduces mm -hmm. uh, crime? 
obviously that's a controversial question, yeah. you know, yeah. and everybody has their own opinion, but uh, there are, there are definitely, there's definitely a certain group um, that is opposed <clears throat> to the change. Yeah. The difference is they're not the ones out in the streets that <laughs> actually face the consequences <laughs> Absolutely. for bad decisions that are made. Right. So if, you can be rah, 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 old school policing, you know, uh, uh, push things to the limit. But if you're not the one out there in the street actually facing the consequences of what happens, you I think you really need to step back and look, would you be willing to go out there on the street today, right now, and do that same stuff that you did in the 90s? Well, they couldn't do it. Yeah. You know, or they don't want to do it. They don't have to do it. But, you know, going back to liability, I mean, I agree with you 100%. But, you know, what what some of these senior executives don't realize that it all comes back to them. Right. If you have a cop out there that's hesitant or, or you know, for whatever reason or makes a bad decision, they're going to be, I mean, the whole agency, the whole municipality could be on the hook for, for bad decisions. So my point is you have to have a vested interest. You have to say, look, I need to adapt or should adapt with the changes and I might not like it, but this is the reality we live in. That's right. And even when you do accept that, because there are a lot of agencies that are uh, evolving and doing an amazing job. But even even that, you know, we have a lot of disagreement about what does that evolution look like? Sure. Um, and so we just we need to we need to kind of we need to come out. We need to have conversations with each other. Uh, we need to have more open dialogue. Um, and be willing to disagree. Um, and I think that's the only way that we come to a resolution on what the path forward is. Absolutely. Well said. Now, as far as retention, Jason goes, I mean, retention, recruiting, I don't have to tell you, uh, I don't know how it is in, in your particular jurisdiction, but all around the country, agencies are suffering, uh, you know, retention issues. I'm here in Arizona. I have friends here in different departments here. I mean, they're down hundreds of cops in some yeah. instances. What can we do or what do you think, you know, agencies could do to um, not only recruit, you know, top talent, but retain them? Yeah, so that's a that's a great it's funny because a couple of weeks ago I had this conversation uh, with my with my shift uh, during during briefing. Um, and I just wanted to hear from them what their thoughts were. And I have this conversation with people on LinkedIn a lot, too, because it, it fascinates me. Um, cause it's not just about a lot of agencies are focused on recruitment and why they can't get high numbers for recruitment, but they're, a lot of them are kind of forgetting about retaining the ones that they have. Exactly. They brought up, a my, the people I've talked to have brought up some really interesting points. You know, some of them go around, um, they don't feel like they have community support. And a lot of that comes from, uh, watching, uh, the news, you sure. know, that's where they're hearing it from. Some of them do live in communities, obviously where the support just is not there. Yeah. Um, but other ones, you know, they bring up, um, poor leadership. That's um, one I hear a lot too. So they, they have seen, uh, their leadership maybe placate, uh, to a message that they don't agree with, or they've seen leadership fold where, uh, officers have come under scrutiny and the officer has been, uh, left, uh, to his own devices, you know, uh, on his own. Um, so, so that's been an issue. Uh, some other interesting ones that have been brought up to me were, um, you know, they offer uh, recruitment bonuses to new people that come in, but there's nothing offered to the people that have stayed for 15, <laughs> exactly. 15 20 years, you know? Yeah. yeah. So they, so they feel a bit, uh, I guess, I don't know if neglected would be the right word, but. Well, I think like, it is, you know, I mean, it's yeah. neglect. I mean, it's, well, maybe you're right, but you know, Hey, throw some chatter my way. 
and and then there's and then there's a frustration just with the system in general like yeah. uh you know here here in california a lot of crimes don't get don't get prosecuted if they do get prosecuted i mean the number of people we have on probation with no search terms at, at, you know and their only term is must obey the law <laughs> i mean i mean it's what is that <laughs> yeah, it's just nothing <laughs> so so uh kind of so they kind of feel like their mission is lost a little bit because even if they do put in the effort and the risk because there is a risk to what they're doing um even if they put that in the end result isn't worth the, the what they yeah. what they went through do you think that uh, again i mean it, a broad question do you, do you think it's going to change or do you think we're in this space for uh, a while no, I, I definitely believe it's going to change. Change yeah. is being forced on us, no, no matter what. We can't, we can't survive doing things. As no, I meant like recruitment. I mean, being, being uh, low with recruitment and and you know, off or departments, you know, being down, you know, hundreds in some cases, you know, uh, of officers. Do you think that that is going to get better, or do you think we're we're stuck with this? Do more with less kind of mentality. I, I agree with the philosophy that it's it's a pendulum, you know, and yeah, it yeah. swings back and forth. Um, and certainly there's something going on that's much larger than just law enforcement, because everyone's experiencing problems with filling positions. Um, you know, it doesn't matter. You go to a restaurant, you go uh, wherever, wherever you go, and it seems like they're having trouble hiring enough people. So there's something happening within our society that's making that an issue. And then, of course, the pendulum's going to swing for law enforcement, you know, back to a position of support especially as crime keeps, keeps rising. Uh, I mean, you can't, you can't keep going like this, yeah. um, punishing, punishing the people that are out there trying to make a difference um, and not punishing the people that are out there wreaking havoc on society. So yeah. it, it, it's going to change. It's just a storm that we have to get through to and weather, adapt yeah. to it as well. And I believe, I mean, you've probably heard me say this before, Jason, I, I do believe that the vast majority, no matter where you're at in, in, the, in the world, in the country, the vast majority of people support law enforcement. Uh, I just, maybe I'm just naive, but I, I do think that I do believe that <clears throat> I just don't think they're as vocal yeah. <laughs> as, that's they, my, that's as my, they used to be. That's my real life experience, right? So yeah. being out in the community, that that's my real life experience is that the vast majority of people support, support us, want us to do uh, the job that, that, that we think we need to do. Um, it's only when uh, you turn on the news or that sort of thing where you kind of you, you hear that the negative aspect of it or, you know, the people that are the loudest is, are the ones you hear, you know, not not the good people that are just trying to live their lives. Well, but, yeah, I know, because it's not it's not news. It's not news. Right. I, I tell yeah. people sometimes turn off the news. I right. mean, you don't want to live in a bubble, you, you know, you, you but you don't have to watch the news all the time because it's all it's all negative And that's yeah. their business. <laughs> yeah. And, and the other thing that reinforces that is, uh, our, you know, the United States is a gigantic country. Mm -hmm. Um, there are millions of police stops happening, contacts happening. Absolutely. Every day. But the only videos that are going to get uploaded are the, are the, the, you know, the ones that get the clicks, right. Yeah. So the really bad ones. So in a single day, you're going to have, you know, 500,000 videos taken of police officers making contacts and then one is going to get uploaded but that compounds and so if you went to youtube right now and searched for you know no. law enforcement taser usage or no. you're gonna see millions you know, yeah it's it's all going to be bad stuff because yeah nobody uploads where nothing happened Nobody yeah. uploads where you de-escalated the situation. Or, or you're out there, you know, and you're starting to see a little bit more, but officers are out there like 
you know, playing basketball with some kids or something like that. Right. You see a little bit of it, but yeah. you're right. It's not new. You know, it's not newsworthy. It's not shocking. Right. And I love what you said about, I mean, yeah, the hundreds of thousands of contacts we're making or law enforcement, you are making every day. And how many of those result in any type of use of force? A very, very small percentage, but mm-hmm. you know, people videotape and they act like, Oh, it's happening every day. Cops are out there killing people. And yeah, come on. Come on. Yeah. And that that's one of the reasons why officers aren't the best at use of force incidents is because it's actually a very, very rare thing for them to be involved in. If you take their whole everything that happens in their whole day, uh, being in a use of force incident is a, is a rare event. So, yeah, uh, they're not necessarily uh, as up to speed on it when it happens as people would expect them to be. Yeah. And then when you, when you do use of force training, I mean, it's, you know, it's the use of force continuum. It's, it's all that stuff, right? Um, here well, I don't know what you guys use. Yeah. I mean, here we yeah. don't use it. We don't use a continuum. Um, but uh, we, uh, we have uh, levels of use of force and then yeah. we have to meet certain levels of resistance Absolutely. and threat levels in order to use them. So it starts with presence obviously, and then just goes up the whatever chain. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Now you're the CEO buddy of the briefing room. Yes. How did you like become a cop? Am I saying that? Copreneur. 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 Because, you know, you know this, Jason, because you're doing it. You know, so many of my friends that are cops that are ready to retire and they're relatively young, they're like, I don't know what to do. Go be an entrepreneur or do something on the side when you're still on the job. For me, it was, I like doing the show, obviously, and I like teaching and, and stuff like that. Maybe that's not necessarily entrepreneurial, but yeah, I mean, you have so much more to offer, you know, not only when you're on the job, maybe towards your retirement, but when you get off, you know, when you're done, when you retire, there's so many different opportunities out there for, for police officers and you're doing it. Yeah. So what was the catalyst for you, man? How, what, what made you go that entrepreneurial route? Well, um, I, I'm I'm not on the verge of retirement. Um, I have no plans to retire. No, no, no. But... I, I'm not meaning you. I mean, oh yeah, yeah just yeah. In, yeah. in general, people that are you know doing the job want to start something on the side, but a lot of times they're just hesitant. I don't know. People laugh at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, while while I was the in, in service training supervisor for my agency, you know, we're a, we're a, re- a relatively decent sized agency, yeah. and we have a larger budget than a lot of other agencies. Um, I I found that uh, we were fortunate to have those kind of resources, like a video production uh, team that could make training videos and that kind of stuff, where other agencies uh, don't necessarily have that. At the same time, I realized if if we're going to get through this period of time as, as an industry, as law enforcement, we have to come up with some innovative ways to teach our people within our current training budgets, because no one is talking about increasing our, our, our budgets, right? Every, everything is about uh, putting more, more laws on the police, regulating more with law laws. enforcement more. Yeah. But when I see most of these videos, uh, mo- the, some, some are malicious, but the vast majority of bad use of force videos are not, um, ma- are, the officer didn't have malicious intent. What they had was poor training. I was going to say poor training. Yeah, yeah they, weren't, they weren't prepared for it. So we have to come up with innovative ways to prepare officers for the challenges of today uh, within our current budgets. And so that's where the genesis of the briefing room came from. It's allowing agencies to leverage the power of their own supervisors 
to provide training to their officers every single day during briefing or roll call. That's awesome. Uh, so we used to do like six minute on. training at briefings, which yeah. was pretty cool. You know, it is cool, but uh, unfortunately, a, a lot of supervisors they're all they already have a lot of work to do. Sure, and so preparing that training before shift uh, sometimes can be overwhelming. Sometimes it gets overlooked. Sometimes the supervisor doesn't know what to train in. Yeah. Uh, sometimes they don't know how to train uh, their their people. You know, um, so the briefing room makes it easy. Just log in, find a topic. Click That's on it awesome. And and the super with with the 90 second video, the supervisor gets a key points worksheet so they can easily facilitate a discussion after the video plays with their shift. And then their guys are out hitting the streets uh, quickly. So uh, that builds. Awesome. Yeah, that training builds. It compounds because every day they're just getting a, a little bit of training and it builds their confidence for today. Uh, we cover case laws. You'll never hear about you, you'd never hear about these case laws anywhere else because nobody presents uh, that training unless, you know, you get may, you might send one or two officers to an eight hour class sure. somewhere and pay per diem and hotel and travel. Now, it's, it's all out the window. You get it right now. Right. And then those two officers got that training, but the rest don't get it. Well, this is different. This is your whole yep. agency gets training in it immediately as soon as it comes out. In a wide variety of topics. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. I mean, I, I you were, when you were talking about use of force, I mean, I heard this a while ago. I want your take really quick, Jason. If, the reason why, and, and this wasn't me who said it, but a buddy of mine said he thinks the reason why younger officers, and I'm not trying to pick on younger officers, is younger officers, a lot of them have never, ever within, you know, in their whole life, have gotten in any type of physical confrontation. Whereas like, and again, this is my buddy's theory is like, we're at the same age, you know, we're in the, our fifties, me and my friend, he said, you know, you and I used to get into fights, all, not together, but you know, growing up there, we were, you know, you get in a fight and stuff like that. And so he, I don't know what your take is, but you know, he, he, he had a theory that some, a lot of young people have never been exposed to that before. Mm -hmm. So now they got a gun on their badge or they're out there patrolling. And I'm not saying all young people, but you know, some, um, now they're in maybe in a physical confrontation and they're like, Oh, you know, I never, mm -hmm. I've never been in that before. I don't know what you think about that. I think yes and no. Um, I'm familiar with that theory. Uh, yeah. I would say in the 20 years I've been asking Academy recruits, you know, how many here who have been in a fight, the number definitely decreases has yeah, decreased yeah. over the years of people who raise their hand, but, but that doesn't make it bad though. You know, but, does, yeah. The number of them that come into the Academy with some form of training, jiu-jitsu training or MMA training uh, or some other martial art has increased yeah. significantly. Military, Thankfully. you know, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. So I would say my, my real world experience of being out in the field uh, with officers is a lot of the hesitation comes from just being unsure of, of what they can and can't do. And they don't want to be a viral video. They don't want to make a mistake. They're always mm -hmm. on camera, which is something that when we came into law enforcement, we were not always on camera. No. And so there's a lot of pressures that they feel that uh, we didn't feel when we first came into law Absol enforcement. Absolutely. Now, Jason, in, in the briefing room, in your training, um, does it cover like mental health aspects of, of, you know, officers? And I mean, that might be not in depth, but kind of talks absolutely. about it a little bit. 
we cover we cover all topics uh, that deal with law enforcement, including wellness. Yeah. So you know, wellness is very deep, uh, and uh, men- the mental health of officers is uh, uh, Huge. a solid aspect of that. Just like you know, the importance of wearing sunscreen is also super important. And so we cover a, a whole host of uh, different wellness related issues. Uh, and how to wear your sunglasses in California. Uh, your Oakley's your Oakley's (laughs) your 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 aviators (laughs) well how do people find you brother I mean you're doing amazing work how do people find the briefing room and it it, now if an agency wants to uh if they say this is because I imagine you're opening up to everybody right I mean so if they want to uh, you know get uh, the briefing room software or you know training stuff how do they do that yeah so the briefing room is a subscription based on-demand service okay. uh, and you can find it at thebriefingroom.com and right now we're only we only sell subscriptions to agencies so agencies okay. pay on depending on the size of the agency uh, and the the value the cost is very very low uh, it's intended for to be accessible to any agency it doesn't matter doesn't matter your size um, and so they can find us at thebriefingroom.com and they can find me on LinkedIn, where I post a whole ton of yeah. free training, uh, just at my name, Jason Lewis, L-O-U-I-S. And everybody, check out Jason Lewis. Follow him on LinkedIn. He's a good guy, obviously, and he's doing great things for our brave men and women. We'll have all the things we talked about, Jason, linked up in the show notes. Brother, I thank you for taking the time uh, to come on the show, share a little bit about yourself, share the wonderful things you're doing, and you're welcome back anytime. Oh, man. Thank you, Patrick. It's been an honor to be here. uh, And I look forward to coming back uh, as soon as I can. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Take care. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the CJ Evolution Podcast. For more strategies for self-improvement and resources based on today's episode, be sure to head to cjevolution.com. You can also connect to Patrick directly on social media at Pat underscore Fitzgibbons with any questions, comments, or concerns. We look forward to helping you find more personal success on the next episode of the CJ Evolution Podcast.